Welcome back to Brain and Blaze, a weekly podcast about epilepsy, by epileptics, for epileptics, and their caretakers. I'm your host, David Clifford. In this episode, we'll cover some of the things that you might be doing that might possibly trigger a seizure. If you are new to Brain and Blaze, I just want to state that I'm not a medical expert. I'm just someone that has been struggling with the ins and outs of epilepsy for almost three decades. When the topic of triggers that could possibly initiate a seizure comes up, most people immediately think of flashing lights. In fact, there have been a series of headlines in the news lately, like this one from CBS. A warning from Disney this morning for people who plan on seeing the upcoming Star Wars movie. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. Walt Disney Studios says Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker could trigger seizures in people with photosensitivity. It has several scenes including that include flashing lights. The Epilepsy Foundation says certain lights can trigger seizures in about 3% of people with epilepsy. Disney suggests that movie theaters post notices warning viewers of the risk. As this clip described, about 3% of all epileptics suffer from photosensitive triggers. By my rough calculation, of the more than 3.5 million epileptics in the United States, that's still about 127,000. Truly a large problem. Let's continue to discuss the other triggers that are statistically more likely to cause a breakthrough seizure. So what is a breakthrough seizure? Breakthrough seizure is when someone who has normally controls their seizures for an extended period of time suddenly has a seizure for no apparent reason. So first, let's talk about missing one's medication. To combat this trigger, medical professionals seem to always provide the same easy solution. Just keep an extra dosage of your medication in your purse or pocket. But let's get real. Each dosage you miss increases the chance of a breakthrough seizure. Every dose is critical. While missing one dose might not cause a breakthrough, missing multiple instances statistically is the most likely way to cause a breakthrough seizure. So for example, what happens if you run out of your medication right after your doctor leaves for that long-deserved vacation over the four-day weekend? The first thing to do is not panic. Your pharmacist runs into this problem all the time. Who knows? Maybe she already has a forgotten refill on file. Call her immediately, explain your problem, the prescription details, and the name of your doctor. The pharmacist will reach out to the medical group to which your doctor belongs. Hopefully, there's another person that can prescribe the refill. This will hold you over until the regular doctor arrives revived and relaxed on the Tuesday morning. Ultimately, we don't ever want to get into that emergency situation, though. I find the best way to handle this is to set up my own recurring event in my online calendar to remind me to look to see how many refills I have left. If you do go down this path, make sure that the event occurs on a day early in the week so you don't have to go running around during the weekend. This might be obvious, 
but one shouldn't stop taking their medication just because one feels better. I have to admit that I fell into this trap a lot back in the day. Less experienced, I didn't realize the medication was the reason I was feeling better. Stress is another trigger that can really mess with your brain chemistry. It has taken me a long time to realize that not all stress is bad. A reporter once summed up in his understanding of Einstein's theory of relativity after spending an afternoon with the great scientist. When you sit with a nice girl for two hours, you think it's only a minute. But when you sit on a hot stove for a minute, you think it's two hours. That's relativity. We can use the same idea to categorize good versus bad stress. Time just passes with normal stress. Waiting in line at the grocery store, driving in light traffic. These are normal things that, although annoying, keep your brain from just turning to jelly. Good stress makes you grow as a person. It can make an hour feel like minutes. The art of creation, act of learning, or making new friends. Bad stress makes an hour feel like a year. It makes the pit of your stomach grind as hard as you grind your teeth. Having that hard conversation with a coworker, paying big bills, sitting with your attorney, you get the picture. Keep a positive attitude and let the stress of everyday living drip to the ground. No one likes public transport or waiting in line. Just by the nature of being epileptics, we often already have enough about which to stress. Don't continue to stress the small stuff. Remember, though, more stress isn't necessarily a terrible thing. One of my big triggers was actually just the plain lack of sleep. While researching for this episode, I was amazed to see that 11% of Americans report that they get insufficient sleep every night. For my seizures, even one to two days of bad sleep a week was a major trigger. There were a few ways I battled it. Of course, going to sleep and waking up at the same time. Also, my wife and I really focus on making our bedroom a solace for sleeping. We removed the TV, threw out anything with blue light, invested in great window coverings, the whole nine yards. I still read before bed, but I don't read content on a backlit device anymore. Also, I read somewhere else in the house before entering the bedroom to sleep. This is a hint that I wish I learned as a younger man. Like most families, we've built a ritual around going to sleep. Fifteen minutes before going to bed, there's an announcement. By the time I get into bed, I've already convinced myself a few times that I'm ready to sleep. I don't need to make a decision to go to sleep when the light is turned off and I'm staring at the ceiling. Maybe Ellen can help me. Even when it's silent, it's not silent. Even at night when you're trying to go to sleep, it's just quiet. Your head just doesn't stop. Your brain just goes and goes and goes. All these non-sequitur, fragmented, weird thoughts that just pop into your head. That's when you find out how boring you actually are. It's just you. It's just your thoughts. You're trying to go to sleep. You're all of a sudden, I don't like grapes. <laughs> oh, I think I left money in my pants. <laughs> if it's a one, I don't care, but if it's a 20, I want to get that out of there. fun to find money though that's fun you're not really finding money it's your money 
I gotta remember that money in the pants, 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 money in the pants. In the United States, if you're sleeping for a solid seven to eight hours a night and still waking up tired, you might be one of the twenty-five million Americans that suffer from a sleep apnea. Seeing a specialist might be a great time investment. A CPAP machine was a true life changer for me. Suddenly, I was waking up refreshed and not yawning throughout the day. Alcohol and recreational drugs are two no-brainer triggers for breakthroughs. I have to admit that I have little to no personal experience with this. I am very square. Even for a kid that grew up in the dare-to-keep-kids-off-drugs decade. And if you don't think alcohol changes your brain chemistry, you should speak to the comedian Christopher Titus. In his 2004 special, Norman Rockwell is Bleeding, he described, Yearbook voted me most likely to be scraped from an off-ramp by a puking fireman. Because I was a kid in school whose friends would give him extra alcohol just to see what he was going to change into. If we were driving around on a Saturday night, someone noticed a hotel roof within 50 feet of the hotel pool, they would just stop the car. Hey, Titus, can you make that? Two more beers. <laughs> it's interesting that statistically, one is more likely to have a breakthrough seizure during the hangover period rather than during an actual bender. Alcohol and recreational drugs are also known to enhance and decrease the effects of most of the medical prescriptions to fight seizures. A trigger I am very familiar with is how medications prescribed to fight seizures often have complications with other benign prescriptions. Only a medical professional will be able to provide details regarding how your medication may or may not be affected. One of the easiest ways to help medical professionals make sure that no medication is prescribed that may cause unwanted interactions is to keep the list of medications you take updated with each medical professional you meet. Often this requires a walkthrough of the list of medications they have in their profile for you. This process might take anywhere from a minute to a quarter hour based on what you are taking, how out of date their profile is, and how recently any changes have been made. Here's a personal tip that I've learned. Hopefully you can speed up the process. Before the appointment, with your smartphone, take a picture of the actual prescription bottles of the medication you take. Create an album through which one can easily swipe. In the appointment, hand your phone over to the medical professional and allow them, under supervision of course, to use the album when updating their profile. Make sure to update your photo album as your medication or dosage changes. Hopefully you won't have to try to remember or pronounce any of those seven-syllable medication names any longer. Also, don't assume that every medical professional looks through the complete profile when prescribing medication. Your neurologist is hypersensitive to what will interact with your epilepsy medication. Doctors in other fields might not be. When a new prescription is given, ask them if it's going to interact with your epilepsy medication. Remember, it's your health we're talking about here. In young children from six months to five years old, a high fever is a very common trigger for febrile seizures. These types of seizures are quite common. A fever in an adult is less likely to cause breakthrough seizures. Instead, there are different ways to handle it. I got a fever! And the only prescription is more cowbell. In my personal experience, it isn't a fever that causes the breakthrough per se, 
but the overall lack of attention paid to keeping properly medicated when you're sick. If you're a caffeine junkie like me, it might be affecting your brain chemistry and is thus a good candidate for a possible trigger for your seizures. Statistically, it's more likely to have a breakthrough when the level of caffeine in your blood fluctuates widely. Similar to caffeine, wide fluctuations in blood sugar can often lead to breakthrough seizures as well. I think I had too much jolt cola. Fluctuations in blood sugar can actually be a symptom in much bigger problem. For example, if you find yourself often sweaty, dizzy, irritable, weak, and lacking coordination, you might be suffering from chronic bouts of low blood sugar. Talking to a medical professional might be worth it. Being born biologically male, another trigger of which I have absolutely no experience is the menstruation cycle. Medical journals document that it in changes in the hormone levels in a biological woman's body can definitely trigger breakthrough seizures. In fact, epilepsy linked to the menstruation cycle is called ketaminial epilepsy. If you have experience with this and wish to help the community, reach out to us on our website at brainblaze.com. I would love to hear your story. Usually, it isn't just one of these triggers that lead to a breakthrough seizure but a combination of two or three. For example, you might get stressed out, so you get a fever, then you can't sleep, so you skip a few days of medication, and that leads to a breakthrough, and you wake up in an emergency room somewhere. So how can you figure out which of the triggers are actually really affecting you? I highly suggest that any epileptic keep what is often called a seizure diary. Medical providers suggest that this journal contain the following information about your seizures. The duration of the seizure, the date and time of the seizure, changes in any medication, any side effects you might feel. I found it often good to include much more information in the journal. The days leading up to the breakthrough can provide insight when one is trying to find patterns in determining possible triggers. For example, including the time you went to bed and woke up each day, any food or meal that is out of the normal routine, for example, something as simple as Eight birthday cake with Aunt Grace. I would assume that the start and end of your menstrual cycle would be useful as well. And then start and end dates of any illnesses. One final comment about journals. They are for you. I know they are useful for the doctor, but they are yours. And if you're having a ton of seizures, it can be a bit tedious, if not even a bit morbid, to keep documenting them. Try to fill some pages with pictures, quotes, and messages that instill some little piece of motivation to keep you going. Find out what works for you. So with that, there is my review of seizure triggers. I thought it was helpful. Don't get cocky! Sorry, Han. I won't. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Brain Ablaze. Subscribe to stick around if you haven't already. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Brain Ablaze. If you liked today's episode, please help us by giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes or wherever you download your content. One small click really does help. See you next time.